welcome to another podcast of Redemption Tempe. My name's Greg. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, this week, um, I am joined by two of my more favorite people on staff. I'm all staff are my favorites, but but these two in particular are shining stars. So first we have Ricardo. Welcome, Ricardo. Tell us a little bit about yourself if people don't know you. Uh, um, my name is Ricardo Stewart, and um, I'm one of the pastors here at Redemption. Yeah. If you need a Bible, uh, raise your hand. <laughs> and if you don't own one, no, I'm just joking. What if I, what if I have one at home? Can I just take this one anyway? Take that one, but leave it there because it's not yours. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. All right. So, Ricardo, uh, glad to have you on today. And then also we have Lori Green. Hello, Lori. Hello, Greg. How are you? I'm great. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been going to Redemption? You're on staff, so tell us about your staff role. Just just give us the whole rundown. The whole rundown. I've been at Redemption for 11 years. I have six kids in a wild range of ages from 26 down to three. Married to Jeff for 28 years, and I'm on staff at Redemption for Redemption Women and um, campus coordinator. Yes. So you and Dina are two of the masterminds behind Redemption Women, and you guys do such a good job with that. And uh, yeah, I've been really enjoying the... I don't know if I'm allowed to listen, but the Redemption Women podcast, it's really been really yeah, we'll good. Let, yeah, we'll let you listen. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad. I appreciate that. So we are here today. We're continuing our conversation as we're we're getting actually pretty close to wrapping up our series on Love Walked Among Us, the book um, itself, but then looking at different snapshots of Jesus throughout the Gospels and, and really looking at how Jesus experiences emotions, how Jesus is the epitome of love um, and, and what that looks like uh, for us. So taking a slower walk through the Gospels and the life of Jesus. Today we're in chapter 20, if you're reading the book, but um, we're specifically in in John 12 verses 20 to 33. Uh, but the, the chapter in general and kind of the, the gamut that we're running today is, is pretty broad, but it is some emotions that I think in our wider culture are, have a little bit more of a negative connotation to them at times, like as in we're, um, sometimes not supposed to feel these things we're told, uh, or, you know, we're supposed to work through these emotions quickly and get on the other side of them. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. I think it's going to be good because we see an example in multiple times in scripture, really, where Jesus feels these things, um, and he is God. So, uh, that, that's always an interesting conversation about like the place of that in the life of a, a believer, but specifically those emotions are, um, I guess we could, as an umbrella term in the chapter title, it's grief. It's uh, the subtitle of this week's chapter is when love leads to grief. But what we see when we're reading through the scripture and, and really just the gospels in general, it's, it covers loss anger, sadness, betrayal, uh, and what we would traditionally call more grief. So uh, again, we're in John 12, 20 to 33. Ricardo, could you walk us through a little bit um, this passage in particular and kind of the the framework of what we're looking at? Primarily what we're going to look at this is Jesus's... Um, like movement towards his own death and ultimately his betrayal and not that his betrayal of his people, but those who don't want him and the desire of Jesus to be here, to be our savior, to be our redeemer and to know that there are certain situations that are starting to happen that he know that his time um, is about to come. Um, so far in the series, at least a few weeks ago when John spoke, we talked about his time not 
yet coming and it's not his time where he knows now it's his time. And so the movement that he has now is one that the people in whom he's come to die and to redeem, reject him. The people in whom he is walking with primarily Judas is going to turn his back on him. And ultimately that he has to face his own death and, um, and separation for the sake of those whom he loves. Yeah. So, so what emotions can we see in the text here that Jesus is, is feeling? I mean, he even speaks to some of these things, but specifically in this, these verses, um, what are the things that we see that Jesus is feeling? I think probably the, the clearest thing that we can see in this is that Jesus is sad. Mm -hmm. And I think that sadness is there. Um, considering the fact of the loss and the betrayal and so forth. And then we see also through scripture here too, in other places, you know, these other emotions that we talked about with anger, um, and, uh, betrayal. And you, you kind of spoke to that as well, that this betrayal of, of Judas that we know is coming. And, and Jesus speaks to that as well earlier in John, when he's with the disciples and he's, he very early on says what I think the, the actual scripture, if I'm recalling correctly at the top of my head is he says, one of you is a devil or one of you is, you know, of the devil or something. He's referring to Judas and in, in, in the betrayal that will occur in the future. Um, and so, Let's let's kind of park there a little bit. These are some emotions that I would say in our broader culture um, are not celebrated emotions. I think whether implicit or explicit, um, you know, we seek life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? We don't seek sadness. We don't seek anger. We don't seek to be betrayed or to feel grief. Um, so if we're looking at this passage of Jesus feeling these things, what is the launch point of application? Like, what do we do with Jesus feeling these things? What do we do with that today? How do we apply um, kind of Jesus, the fact that Jesus is feeling these things to our lives today? Um, first, I, I, I think there's a few things. One, we don't know when our hour is. So we, we got we to we look at Jesus and, and realize that at the same time, um, and I think most of us know this, that we're not Jesus. But Jesus finally gets to the point where he's like, my hour has come. And, and so everything in terms of like what needs to be accomplished, the last things that need to be accomplished are, are just before him. And so when you think about um, when you experience loss, if you experience betrayal, even at the smallest sense where somebody, I mean, think about from, from children's standpoint, when a kid, a nine-year-old boy or a nine-year-old girl hears that there was a birthday party and their friend threw a birthday party. Um, Wait, who had a birthday party? I didn't get an invite. Exactly, right? <laughs> and then they, when they realize or they hear that they were not invited mm -hmm. by a friend, mm -hmm. like not just someone in class, like I didn't, I'm not the cool kid, but like a friend invited other people, but not them. There is a sense of sadness. There's a sense of anger. And there's a sense of, I don't even know how to relate to you. Like, I don't know, I don't, do I confront you? Do I, am I honest with you? Do I choose different friends? I mean, that just at the lowest level of someone who's even in their pre-adolescent stage. But then you go even further and you go even deeper as people have experienced. Like when the person whom you've stood up before, your closest friends and family and before God, you've said that I'm committing myself to you and they've said that I'm committing myself to you, that those people, they betray you. Mm -hmm. Not just sin against you, but legitimately betray you to walk out of that 
that promise and that covenant, there is an extreme sense of loss. And you know that there's suffering that you have to go through. Mm-hmm. Like it's unavoidable. Even if you're angry, even if you say, I don't want to talk to that person anymore, there's some form of suffering that you're going to. And so I think one of the ways in which we look at this text is, is going, it is impossible to love without ever feeling sad. Mm-hmm without ever experiencing grief, without ever experiencing loss, without ever experiencing to some degree, some form of betrayal or people turning their backs on us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, so I'm gonna go out on a limb and say probably everybody uh, has had some kind of experience of one of these emotions, uh, loss, anger, betrayal, sadness, grief. I've, I've mentioned it on a couple other podcasts, but I think the most recent story for my wife and I is the, the loss and grief side with the, the loss of my sister-in-law very unexpectedly last year. And, and what's interesting and, and what you see even in this scripture of almost like a, a cycle that Jesus goes through where, um, you know, he's talking about the betrayal, but, but he ultimately trusts in God. Um, and the, the story, his story that is set out before him. And, um, in a lot of ways, I think it sort of mimics the cycle of, of grief or betrayal or, or loss that, that we experience. Um, but for, so let's say for you, Lori, what are some ways that you've experienced some of these emotions yourself or, or, and, or I suppose with people that you've walked alongside? Probably the, the biggest two areas where I've experienced grief, um, from death would be, um, we lost a baby during a pregnancy and because he was one of our triplets, um, it's a little different than your typical miscarriage. Well, it's a lot different. Um, and people didn't know what to do with us with that situation. And still today, they really don't know what to do with that information. So it's not something that I just regularly talk about. Um, so that was the first one. And then my mom passed away almost four years ago. Um, and just working through that grief, the cycle that was involved in that, it was a very difficult um, last three years of her life with me needing to help with her care um, and her just really struggling through that. And then the aftermath was me being kind of the executor of um, taking care of her estate. So um, I think that all grief is just complicated. I was thinking about that yesterday. I don't know that there's ever just a time that somebody dies and there's not just really complicated things that go with it because anytime you're dealing with people, it's messy. So unmet expectations generally are the big issue for me. Um, and my husband is good at kind of helping me prepare um, for unmet expectations. Even when we were in Russia um, getting ready to adopt two of our children um, all the way back in 2004, we were in a bookstore in St. Petersburg like two days before we were going to the orphanage. And my husband said, are you ready for them to not be excited to see us? And I said, no. You know, they, they're going to be really excited to see us because I had been working so hard um, to get them. And the thought that they wouldn't be excited was just not even something I considered. So I think I know that that's a weakness in, on me is on my expectations being an issue. So I have to prepare for that. And that's where community is important. And someone like my husband who knows me and who can prepare me for something like that. Yeah. And so that's a good springboard, actually. Um, community. Uh, I think if we're talking about application today, um, 
we're not Jesus. We're not God. Um, so we've talked about loss. We've talked about grief. Uh, Ricardo, you briefly sort of alluded to um, another side of more of the betrayal, um, the sadness side specifically with divorce. In your role as a pastor, um, how have you seen, first, how have you seen this sort of play out as you've walked alongside people? And then two, let's let's then take that into um, this idea of community and how community interacts with uh, people that are in the midst and the throes of, of these emotions. So first of all, Ricardo, just a little bit about, as a pastor, tell us a little bit about what you've seen walking through people who have experienced a lot of these emotions. Yeah, so if, we're, if we just um, broaden it from divorce and just put into the realms of sadness or loss and so forth, which obviously that brings... Um, I think you have it in so many different ways. Pastorally, if I can just think, here, here's how it happens. There are people who get to the point as adults where we begin to realize that our parents, and oftentimes even though we love them, there were these things that emotionally we never got. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there comes a point, even though these were years uh, previous, that you, you have to just deal with the loss of that. I used to ask questions when I was a youth pastor. I would sit down with students and I would say, uh, what's something that you feel like was robbed? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I didn't get this. And then what's something you wish you had? And those answers actually would be different. Um, and one, it was just to get a teenager to think inside their body and to have an emotional response as opposed to, um, you know, I didn't get a video game when I was this age. And it was amazing. Like, I remember one girl telling me I never got a chance to be a kid. And I said, what do you mean? My mom died when I was young. My dad was always busy. My dad had his own issues. And so I had to raise my sister. And so like, I, I think I was robbed of just the joy of being a kid. I never played with dolls and things like that. So there's that loss that's there. Um, another way you see it is it's a, it's a loss or grief of like a, a period of time that's passed that they can't get back. Mm-hmm. And this one's unique to me um, when I hear it from people. And that period of time could be, you know, I was this Christian woman. I was this Christian guy. You know, my youth pastor told me to, you know, stay pure before I got married. And if I just kind of did these things, then, you know, pray for it. And God is going to bring this godly spouse. And, um, you know, I did those things. Mm-hmm. And that season kind of passed. I'm not in my 20s. Um, I'm well into my 30s or maybe even 40s or older. And I don't know. I just feel like that was either a lie or it's just something that like I'm I'm kind of upset about. Mm-hmm. And the way that that begins to express itself, and I know we're going to talk about community, oftentimes is I begin to pull away from community. Yeah. And especially if that community happens to people who did experience that. Mm-hmm. So that goes to that verse, like weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Man, it is very difficult to rejoice with those who rejoice sometimes. Mm-hmm. It, it might actually be easier to weep with those who weep, mm-hmm. um, especially when you want to rejoice with somebody who's rejoicing in something that you wish you had, but you didn't get. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's a range of emotions that happens there. And I think within marriage, um, just the brokenness that happens that leads to divorce or it, it, that teeters on the line of potentially getting divorced, there, there is a loss and there's a grief that happens there that fortunately we've been able to see the Lord move in some incredible ways. And then sadly, we haven't seen him move in the ways that we, that we would like. And so um, I know the latter part of that question was what part does community play 
And sometimes community can be this very ambiguous word that could mean getting a cup of coffee at, at, at a coffee place or grabbing a beer or you know going hiking together or going camping together or taking trips together. And I think maybe maybe that that old word that no one wants to use, but like just fellowship. Hmm. <laughs> um, and all the things the Bible speaks about as the, the one another's, yeah. I think that could be sometimes a little bit more specific because the fellowship is we're fellowshipping around, particularly the bread and the wine. And that is the person and work of Christ and what he's done. And so how do I use the strength of the gospel to be able to come alongside people for a long time? Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain people who are hurting in these areas. And I don't think, I think we want quick fixes because everything in our culture is a quick fix. And I, it really is. And sadness is never a quick fix. There's never a word that works. There's never a verse that works. Hear me. The Bible is, 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 is exactly what it says it is. It does not return void. It is God's word, but a verse sometimes we use as an ointment to like put on a particular problem. You know, he works all things out for the good. That just makes people even more upset. Um, as opposed to coming alongside people and sitting with them, listening to them, um, knowing them well enough to know when is the right and appropriate time to use scripture. But I think all of it is pointing them to Jesus in terms of their suffering or their pain or their loss. Um, another way that community could be really helpful is the, just the longevity of it. Like, you know, like there, there are moments where it feels like it's not, it's not working. It's like that picture in Psalm, Psalm chapter one, where it talks about the tree that's planted near the stream, like in its season, it will produce fruit. And we all, especially in Arizona, there's just certain trees that you look at in particular seasons and you go, there's nothing on that tree. That tree's dead. The tree's actually doing what the tree's supposed to do. It's a process. And at some point, that tree's going to produce the leaves or the fruit or whatnot. And I feel like community is like that. There are moments where it's like, why am I, I'm not quote unquote getting anything out of it. And it's like the consistent um, being present with people and prayer and the word of God and laughter and in tears and eating and drinking together. Um, for a period of time in due season, I believe that the Lord does produce fruit in that, whether it be in someone's loss, um, be in someone's sadness, um, or even in someone's grief. And so that's a, a longer answer to go, we need Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So Lori, I think there's another side to this coin that I'm, I'm interested to get some of your wisdom because you use the word expectations. And so I want to ask you, um, that same thing could be put on community. There can be unhealthy expectations on community too, for those that are in the midst of these emotions. Um, that I mean, really, if you boil it down, is like fix me um, or get me through this. Uh, and I think that's probably not what the Bible is referring to with fellowship or community of having these expectations on people to sort of just get me through this thing right now. Um, so there are healthy expectations and there are unhealthy expectations. What are ways that you've seen that play out or, or maybe even this in, in the midst of like redemption women, um, how, what are, what are healthy expectations for community specifically when you're in the midst of seasons of these, some of these emotions? That can be tricky. Part of it is I think people aren't real, um, obvious and what they're feeling. Like, Mm. are they even sharing that they're in grief so that somebody can come in and come alongside them? Um, are we making ourselves available to each other? Um, I think an unhealthy expectation can be one you don't even recognize. When my parents got divorced after being married for 30 years, I was pretty devastated and I was in my high twenties when that happened. And I went to my husband and said, Oh my gosh, you know, if 
this could happen to my parents. It could happen to us. And he didn't say, no, no, it would never happen to us. Instead, he said, you can't put all your hopes in me. You have to trust in Christ. And at the time, I was pretty annoyed and wanted to punch him because I really wanted him to just say, no, I love you. I would never do that. But he was wise and pointed me to Jesus instead of saying, yeah, I will will manage no matter what. So I think I didn't even realize I had uh, the wrong expectation for my marriage in that. And I'm thankful that he did. Um, we've been through a, a tough stretch with um, a couple of our kids um, struggling with addiction. And my my peer group, my friends, they didn't know anything about uh, that world any more than I did. So to have expectations that they could um, help me figure it out weren't fair for them. So that there are groups, you know, I had to go to a support group that could teach me about how to deal with addiction. Now, my friends were still wonderful and there and they prayed for me and they listened to me and they let me vent and they've been in for the long haul. But I needed to go beyond them and their resources. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's up to the person in need to express the need and to get the proper help. And then it's up to the community to wait on them and to walk alongside them and encourage them and to look at them and to not be afraid to look at the grief or look at the problem and say, I, I, I can't help. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's helpful. I think, I think, uh, even kind of what you're touching on there from the community's perspective, the people that are in relationship with people that are feeling these things. Um, Lori, you and I have talked about this. Uh, I'm sure Ricardo, you and I have talked about it as well, but um, kind of starting to get out of a season of the depths of some of these things. The most helpful thing seems to be when the people in the surrounding community, when you're in the midst of betrayal or anger or grief or sadness, um, is not, is not really like, um, Hey, I, I'll pray for you, but it's like, Hey, let's, can we pray right now about these specific things? Or, um, instead of saying like, let me know if you need anything, it's like, Hey, can we bring you lunch tomorrow? Uh, it's like really specific things. Cause when you're in the midst of some of these heavy things, you don't, I had less capacity to think about logistics and, um, and it was hard to, it could be really hard to ask for help. And so when you have people around you that are offering specific ways to love you, uh, it's a lot easier to say yes and receive those things than to try to think of ways for all these different people who are asking to come in and help. Um, and, and sometimes it's just like, I don't need a thing. I just need you. I just need you and, and our friends here and just be with us, sit with us, talk with us. Let me vent some, kind of some of the things that it sounds like your community, um, did for you. And so, um, having really specific asks is, is a helpful kind of tangible handlebar, if you will, if you're in that community around those people. Um, so, so let me ask this question for both of you or whoever wants to jump in first from the perspective of a person who is feeling sadness or loss or anger, betrayal, any of these emotions. Um, I think what we see throughout the scriptures is Jesus feels those things. Uh, and I think we typically can think ourselves through to say, you know, a lot of these bigger emotions Jesus feels. So it's not 
I don't think that at least here, hopefully there's not some innate, like, Oh, I'm not supposed to feel those things. Cause we see Jesus feeling those things. But I think what, at least what I've heard a lot of times can be, but Jesus ultimately trusts God and rests in that. Um, so my question would be, what do you do if you're feeling these things and you feel like everything won't be okay? For me, I had to go to gratitude. Um, when I experienced a couple really dark periods, um, I'm not a positive thinker naturally in it anyways, so I need um, something to help me through that. And I read a book that was really encouraging, um, talked about gratitude and how um, joy comes through Thanksgiving. And so I, I tried it. I just looked for ways every day to be thankful and not just thankful to the universe, but thankful to Jesus, you know, for all that he's done for the people he's put into my life, even for the trials that he's brought me in the way that he's grown me. Um, so I've, I've looked to books, you know, to help me. Um, I've gone to counseling to help me. Um, there's just a lot of different avenues I think out there. I, it's not just one thing and it certainly isn't one fix for everyone. Yeah. I think when it comes to being in that dark place, I think you have to fight. And I think that we preach as the Bible teaches a gospel of grace that is this under deserving gift that we have in Christ. And this is received by faith. There's no works. There's no works. There's no works. And the reality is there is works. You just don't need works to get God to love you. <laughs> However, Part of the grace that God gives us is that he gives us in that grace a strength to work for the things in which he's given us. Meaning like it's already ours. It's already there because of what Christ has done. That's the gift. That's the grace. But that grace also trains us to fight for the things of God. And I feel like we have this oscillation between all right, I'm just going to like over-spiritualize it. I know God's good. I know he's faithful. He's going to do something in this. He's trying to show me something. He's trying to, and it's going, just be sad. It's okay to be sad. That's probably what God's showing you that you, he can still be good even if you're sad. And or there's the oscillation to the other side of it that is like, I'm just mad at him and you know, I'm just distant from him and like, almost like he's not good enough. <laughs> and I think both are a way to actually not deal with the issue in itself. Um, so I think in the middle of it, um, in the midst of it, as people who are going through it or people who are helping others, it is what are the means of this grace? How do we receive this grace that we need from God in the middle of it? And Lori mentioned it. It's people. Mm -hmm. It's people who wrote books. It's people who I can sit down with for counseling. It's people who will pray their heads off for me. Um, it is me saying, I don't even trust myself to believe right now. So I'm going to have to lean on somebody else's belief in this moment. That's, that's what community is. Um, it is going, I believe Jesus in your prayer, but then but yet help me with my unbelief because right now I just don't believe. Um, it is realizing that, that it is in those moments of the valleys or the dry moments or the distant moments that that's where your faith is exercised um, and, and grown in a lot of areas. And so there's no easy way, but I do think that you have to work and have people around you that are willing to work with the means that God gives us um, to access his grace and his person and his presence. Hmm. That's good. Uh, I feel like I'm finding myself saying this at the end of all of our podcasts. There's so much more we could talk about, <laughs> but time is fleeting and we try to keep these to 25, 30 minutes or so. So that is all of the time that we have. Um, 
But if you're listening to this and you're in a season of betrayal, anger, sadness, sorrow, grief, any of those things, and especially, uh, I mean, the first thing that that we would say is reach out to community. Like if you're in a small group, uh, make it known, kind of like what you were saying, Lori, like make it known that you're feeling these things and, and speak up and let people intentionally pursue you and love you. Um, but also if you're feeling like you need more help, uh, if you're really struggling with these things and you're just you know, stuck in a rut. We do have pastors on staff who can meet with you. And we also have professional licensed resources that we can connect you with that are around the Valley that of, of, uh, therapists, counselors that are really good, who do really good work, um, who can also sit with you in, in those topics and help you kind of chew through and process through, um, what you're feeling and what you're experiencing. So I'd recommend if you're, if you're listening to this and you're one of those people, definitely reach out and we'd be happy to, to connect you with some of those re- resources. Also, we have blogs that we publish in conjunction with these podcasts, uh, and these podcasts also go along with our sermons. We try to keep them on the same the same topic, so make sure, uh, keep watch for a blog post by Megan Lamy on this topic that will be coming out um, in the next day or so. It's uh, a really good one. Uh, and in general, if you haven't been keeping up with the blogs, those are also really good supplemental. They're, they're over and above the podcast, so if you're looking for more ways to sort of engage some of these topics, the blog. Uh, posts on our website are really good for that. So that is all the time we have for today. But Lori, thank you so much for thank joining you, us. Thank you, Greg. Thanks. You're one of my favorite staff people. Did I say that in the beginning? Yeah, <laughs> you didn't, but oh, I did. I meant yeah. it. Yeah. And Ricardo, thank you as well. Appreciate it. It was, it was fun. And even though it was a sad topic, it is a sad topic, it is a yeah, sad topic, but, but there's hope in, uh, in, in the midst of this, I think, especially with the way God made us with being in community. Um, so I have hope in that and, uh, and yeah, I think, uh, it's really good. Ricardo, I noticed you didn't say that I was one of your favorite staff people. So I'll yeah, make sure I, 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 I stop saying that to anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. You probably aren't allowed to do that. So no. it's kind of like saying which one of your kids is, is the favorite. No, uh, I have no problem doing that. Actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> Plus, it goes without saying that he was pointing at me. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was under the table kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Redemption Tempe podcast, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. Our vision is to create disciples who seek reconciliation and restoration of Tempe. We are a multi-congregation church, and our service times at our Tempe location are 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 6 p.m. To learn more about us or to get plugged into the life of the church by tapping the connect button on our app, We would love to hear any feedback or questions you have. Please send them to Tempe Podcast at RedemptionAZ.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next week.